Well, two years ago, we officially launched Jubilee as a Sunday morning entity, a gathering, a people, community. And uh, at that point, it was uh, March 19th, so it was this, the Sunday of, that would be this Sunday. And uh, I, pardon? March 20th, thank you. Oh yeah, that makes more sense. I don't even know. See, I don't care about the day. It was a Sunday. <laughs> and actually at the time, I wasn't really concerned about the date. I was more concerned, like, will we make it to next week? Not, not, I wasn't even thinking beyond. I was just like, can we do this another week? And then can we do this another week? Wow, okay. And let alone a year, which we made it to. And then two years. And suddenly we're at two years. And I how did we get here? This is incredible. Do you know part of how we got here was, as I said, MRCC sent us with amazing people. And some amazing community people came and joined us and said, hey, we want to do this together. We feel called. And we feel like we want to step into this. And they were courageous to do anything with us. (laughs) And so we stepped into this together, and that's how it came to be. And, you know, by God's grace, he's formed us into this community of faith. We like to say a planting for the display of his glory. Our logo is the tree, is that picture of the tree. A planting for the display of his glory. Now, people ask, you know, what is Jubilee, or what, what defines you, or, you know, what makes you a different church than somewhere else? And what marks you? And I've had people, even other pastors, say, well, why do we need another church in Maple Ridge? You drive down one of those streets, there's a whole bunch of churches. Why do we need that? And the truth is, there are already a lot of churches. There's two Catholic churches, three United, four Anglican, two Pentecostal, six Baptist, Lutheran, Seventh-day Adventist, Alliance, Vineyard, Foursquare, Presbyterian, Christian Reformed, Salvation Army, non-denominational, and three Mennonite Brethren churches. What were we thinking? (laughs) What are we doing? And the answer when people say, what were you thinking? (laughs) Which they say, is we want the most people possible to encounter Jesus. That's what we want. The most people possible. And we believed by coming here and meeting in this school, in this neighborhood, with these people, that more people would have the chance to encounter Jesus. Why the name? Why do we pick a weird name like Jubilee? Some people are like, is that something to do with the queen or Jubilee? I feel like that. You know, why not a name like Center Church? We're in the center of town. Or Church on 122nd. We're at Church on 122nd. Or if we were going to go traditional, we might have called it Maple Ridge Mennonite Brethren Church of Christ the Fourth. <laughs> or MRMBCCF for short. Why do we pick a name like Jubilee? The answer is because Jubilee is a story about freedom. And it's our story about freedom. If you know the story in the Old Testament, there's this year of Jubilee that's put into the law. And it's this year where people are set free. Slaves are set free on this one year, every 50 years. And if your land was sold off by your family because you had to pay debts or whatever, it got returned to your family. If you have debts, they are canceled. It's this year of grace. It's this beautiful, incredible thing. And so we pick this word to describe us and our story. 
Isaiah chapter 61 talks about this. This is what we'll be looking at this morning. I'll read it for you. Chapter 61, verses 1 to 3. It's the prophet Isaiah who's writing. So he's not, even though he uses the first person, he's not necessarily talking about himself. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, a planting, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is the Jubilee people follow the example of Jesus in living Jubilee. So if you picture Jubilee as this message of freedom, this story of freedom, that's the word we're looking at. Jubilee people, that's us, follow the example of Jesus in living Jubilee. We become good news, walk with, make better people. There's a, a story of good news and bad news, and it was this guy who really, really wanted to go skydiving his whole life. He wanted to go, and all his life he waited. He knew it was dangerous, and his family said it was dangerous. You know, people said, don't do it, don't do it. And finally, he, he kept going, and he said, I'm really going to do it. I'm going to do it. Everyone, I, I, I'm just going to do it. And he got in the plane, and he's flying in the air. And as he's about to jump out, he, he, he gets everything ready, and then he jumps out of the plane. And there was good news and bad news for him. The good news was he had a parachute. The bad news was it didn't work. And as he's falling, there's good news and bad news. The good news was there was a haystack, a huge giant haystack on the ground. The bad news was there's a pitchfork sticking out of it. The good news was he didn't hit the haystack. The bad news was, or the pitchfork. The bad news was he missed the haystack. <laughs> now, Tina, it's like a sad story, actually. It was supposed to be like a joke. But you guys are feeling sad now. <laughs> Jubilee people are good news people, but the truth is just like this story. There's good news and bad news. Now, I gave you good news and then bad news, and that always ends for a sad story or a bad joke, right? But... For us, it's important that we hear the bad news before the good news. And I feel like the bad news is a little bit like if Moses came to the people of Israel in slavery in Egypt, and he went to them and he said, hey guys, I've got bad news for you. You're slaves. They would say, thanks Moses. We already knew that. We've been slaves for several hundred years. We know we're slaves. Thanks for the bad news. The truth is our bad news is similar to this. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you came in and you believe this or not, I think mostly we could agree that the world is a mess. And it doesn't take much news scrolling or newspaper flipping to see that the world is a mess. There's a lot going on that is disturbing about the world. And we thought, I think that civilization would fix it. At one point we said, you know, if we can just get in there and bring development, it will change things and we'll be better. 
And then it was, you know, we had these world wars and we said, oh, the League of Nations or the United Nations, they'll fix the problem. If we can just get together as countries, then that will fix the problem. We'll, everything will be better. And we found it wasn't. And then we thought technology, yes, technology, that will fix the problem. Then things will be better. And we found that's not true. In fact, Jason Ponton writes in Why We Can't Solve Big Problems in the MIT Tech Review. So not a Christian magazine. He says this, technology can improve crop yields or systems for storing and transporting food, better responses by nations and non-governmental organizations to emerging famines have reduced their number and severity. But famines will still occur because there will always be bad governments. Because there will always be bad governments. See, the problem is, it's us. We're the problem. The dictators, the warmongers, the child abusers, the murderers, the mentally deranged, the addicts, the thieves, the gossipers, the liars, the narcissists, the violent, the angry, the fearful, the insecure, the anxious, petty, and selfish. Have I missed anyone? It's a pretty comprehensive list, unfortunately. I connect with David, who writes in the Psalms, Psalm 40. He says, For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs on my head. Have you ever felt like that? Man, I am a mess. They're more than the hairs on my head, and my heart fails within me. And then he cries out to God. He says, Please save, be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. And the the truth is we need good news. We need help. We can't do this ourselves. There's the story of the guy who died and went to heaven and he's standing before St. Peter at the pearly gates. We talked about that. Better be like that. I'm waiting for that. St. Peter standing at the pearly gates and he's got a piece of paper on a table and the guy comes up and St. Peter says, hey, we're on the point system. So you tell me good things you've done and I'll write them down and I'll give them a point score. And when you get to a thousand points, I'll let you in. And so the guy says, okay, that sounds fair. Kind of what I thought, okay. So St. Peter gets ready and the guy gets ready and the guy's thinking, I'm going to go for like one of my biggest, one of my best ones. So he says, I have been faithful to my wife for 50 years. Never cheated on her. Not even in my heart. Okay, and St. Peter's like, okay, that's a, that's a good one. I mean, okay. Three points. And he's like, three points? Oh, man. He's like, okay, I'm going to go a different way on this one. Uh, you know, I went to church every week, pretty much every week, almost. I mean, like a lot of weeks. I went to church, and I gave my money to the church, like 10% or like at least a good amount. Of, it was a lot of my money I gave to the church. What's that worth? And St. Peter's like, that's one point. And he's like, oh, man. Okay, well, I, you know, I helped at the soup kitchen. And, I, and I, we even had homeless people live in our house. They lived, you know, and slept in the basement for a couple nights there. Like, what's that worth? And St. Peter says, that's worth uh, two points. And he's like, this, oh, this is crazy. This is just ridiculous. At, at, at this rate, I'll never make it. The only way I'll make it is by the grace of God. And Peter says, come on in. Okay. <laughs> this is the way. 
The truth is we're not going to make it on our good works. It's not enough. We'll never get to a thousand. Our best isn't good enough. We need help. Jesus claims to be the savior we need. Galatians 3.22 says, but the scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom only by believing in Jesus Christ. And this is what happens. Jesus shows up on the scene and he's about to begin his ministry. What's one of the very first things he does? He goes into the synagogue and he reads Isaiah 61. The very passage we just read. He says, the Lord's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he goes through the whole thing. And then Jesus says, today it's been fulfilled. The one it's talking about is here. It's me. This declaration of jubilee, it's me. I'm bringing the freedom. Jesus went to the cross and he rescued us from the hold of sin. His death was our ransom. His death was our freedom. And so now we are jubilee. We live in this freedom, this incredible thing. And the jubilee isn't just a one year every 50 year thing. It's, an, it's a kingdom that goes on and on and on forever. And Jesus is the king. Now, once we experience this reality, once we experience freedom, the natural thing would be that we would want to share this and say, hey, I've been set free. I'm feeling this. I like to tell this story, and I've told it before, about um, Lauren, who's in with us this morning. So I'll have to tell it more accurately. No, I'm just kidding. Get the dates right, yeah. (laughs) When I can remember, when Lauren told me, she said, I'm going to go to this special party. The girls are having this party, and it's for cloths. And I won't buy any. Don't worry. And I said, you're going to one of these social parties where they try to sell you stuff and you're not going to buy anything? And she said, nope, I'm not going to buy anything. And then she came back and she had a cloth. You didn't, okay. She had stuff on hold. That was her way of getting around it. I knew there was something that came back at me, but... She had put it on hold. And then she came back and she said, this is amazing. I said, they try to sell you this. This is what they do. And she said, no, no, this is amazing. And so I said, okay, fine, let's get to it. We got a few cloths. She was showing me. She like poured stuff out on the counter. And she's like clean. Like, look at this. And then she had her own party. And people came over. And then she got free stuff for having the party. That's how it works. Ladies, if you don't know this. And so she got all this stuff. And then from then on, anyone who came over to her house... She'd open the door and she'd be like, come into the kitchen. Here, look at this. Look at this mop. Look at this. And she'd look at this. Look at it clean. She, I didn't, she'd be like, I didn't clean anything in my house, just so you could see. And she would go through with Norwex. She would show everyone all these Norwex things. I started to say, Lauren, like, you sell more stuff than the salesperson. You should become a sales consultant. Look at you. You can't stop talking about this. And she said, oh, that's a good idea. Okay, so she became a successful sales consultant for Norwex. Do you know why? Not because she's a good salesperson. Because her life was changed by what she had, what she experienced. The same is true for us. Jubilee people aren't salespeople. We don't have a sales agenda. We're just people whose lives have been changed by this good news that we've been set free and transformed by love. And we can't stop talking about it, hopefully. The good news people experience freedom found in Jesus, and they share it with others. 
We become walk with people. There was a man and a woman who got in a car accident, really bad car accident. All my jokes today are, are sad jokes. And they got in this horrible car accident, but they, the man opens the door, he climbs out, he's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And this, the woman he got in a car accident, she gets out of her smashed up car and she goes, I'm okay, I'm not hurt at all. How is this possible? And they both look at each other like, wow, this is amazing. And she said, this is a miracle. This is a sign from God that we should have a relationship going forward and we should at least start a friendship and like, div- like that we're here together standing whole. It's a miracle. We should celebrate this. And he says, yeah, you're right. This is amazing. And she goes back to her car and she pulls out a bottle of champagne that didn't break in this car accident. And she pops the cork and she said, here, let's celebrate. And he says, yes. And so he's like, yeah, let's celebrate. And he drinks half the bottle and he gives it to her. Let's celebrate. And she holds the bottle and says, okay. And he says, don't you want to drink? She says, no, I'll just wait for the police. These are like not funny jokes, I guess. They're like, everyone's upset. Do you know what though? Often when we're talking about relationships, we feel like one of those two people. We feel like either we're the guy who got taken advantage of and we're so leery the next time of relationship because people take advantage of you. They hand you the thing and you're celebrating and the next minute they're stabbing you in the back. Or you're the person who needs to preempt because you know, man, if I don't do something for me, no one else is going to. And so you've got, you're, if they're going to reject me, I'm going to reject them first. They're gonna do, no, I'm going to do it first. So no one's going to get me. And that's how I build my walls. You guys, walking with people is messy. It's hard. Relationship is like this. And Jesus walked with people. He came and he lived with us. He ate and he walked and he laughed and he joked and he taught and he challenged and he healed and he was thirsty and he was angry and he was sad and he was overjoyed. He experienced all these things and he walked in relationship with people, all kinds of people, not just the religious people that you would imagine Jesus would want to walk with. He walked with everybody, all sorts of ones, the ones who were messed up and ashamed and the bottom of the barrel type people. In fact, people were watching who he was hanging out with and they said, this is a real problem, Jesus. Don't you even know who these people are? And Jesus said this in Mark chapter two, verse 17. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Imagine you're Jesus. I imagine I'm Jesus all the time. That's how I get through my day. Imagine you're Jesus and you have to pick 12 people to start the church and to usher in your kingdom and you know you're going to leave and you've got to leave these 12 people. Who would you pick? I'm thinking like I am making my list. I make my list all the time. Okay, these are like 12. Okay, yeah, yeah. These are the people. And you're God. So you really know everything about them. This isn't even a job interview. You already know everything about everyone. And you could pick anyone on Jesus's team. Of 12 people, there's not, not one expert of the law. Not one. Jesus, what are you thinking? Not one Pharisee? Not one Sanhedrin member? Not one politically connected person? Not one synagogue leader? They're the, the ones with the upright lies. We all recognize, we all look to. Not one of those? Not one Bible thumper? 
What about, you need a Bible thumper on your team to make a church go, don't you? Not one mega church pastor? How is this even going to work? Who's Jesus pick? Jesus picks fishermen. He picks a tax collector, the enemy of the Jewish people, and a zealot, the one who's going to enforce. And he puts them in a group together. They're going to kill each other. These are the people Jesus picks? Why? Because God loves you and me. And he wants you and I to know that he's inviting everyone. Regular, ordinary humans. The angry and the selfish and the proud and the hurting and the shame. The old and the young and the men and the women. All of us are invited to follow him. And he calls our names and invites us to follow. That's the picture. Now, a lot of us get the idea of like following God. We say, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to believe in God and follow him. I'm supposed to read my Bible and pray and develop this relationship with God. I get that. It's this walking with people thing that's so hard, isn't it? Isn't that the hard part? Because relationships are inefficient. They're not super productive. You spend a lot of time and what do I get out of this? I don't know. They're, they're hard work. They're uncomfortable sometimes or painful. That relationship hurt me. I don't know if I want another one like that. And we can't control relationships the way we can nail down a lot of other things in our lives. You say, I got this down, I got this down, I got that, and then there's these people. Again, trying to nail them down. They keep popping up everywhere like a mole game. It just doesn't work. Galatians chapter 5, 13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature to nail everyone down. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. How do we become walk with people? I feel like we could write a book or we could read a book about it. So I'm going to just say three little things that are not comprehensive. But one thing is that we will need to learn to love, which sounds so trite when I say it, doesn't it? What, how do we solve all the problems? Just learn to love. Just learn to love. Just hug somebody. We'll make the world a better place, right? Like, it sounds trite, but it's true. We still need to learn to love. And probably not the way we think. Do you know what? We have a, a Down syndrome paper boy who I've often said hi to, and he comes by. The boys have a different paper route that's a couple streets over. So r- this week we were out on the driveway, and all the kids are out there playing, and, and Alex comes by with his mom. And so Lawrence starts chatting with his mom, and he comes over, and he's chatting to me, and he, it's a little bit hard to understand. He's chatting to me about, about bees and, and about ghosts, and then he wants to chase the kids around the driveway, and so the kids are all like, okay, and they ride their bikes, and he's chasing them around. And then he comes over, and three different times he gives me a big hug. At one point, he puts his head on my chest. He's hugging me, and I'm holding him. And I think... I don't know how to love like this. Man, he doesn't know anything about me. He doesn't know what I've accomplished. He, he doesn't know all my list of great, great things. All he wants to know is, will you receive my love and return it? It's the closest thing to unconditional. There it is. Just will you receive it and return it? Just hug me back because I'm going to hug you. That's Alex. We need to learn to love. Secondly, we need to learn to stay. I think we're really good at leaving. Leaving is easy. 
We abandon each other all the time because of conflict. We're in the middle of a conflict and, oh, this is really stressful. I don't know how to work it out, so I'm going to leave. Or someone's going through, a, maybe it's a sin struggle or something where you're like, ooh, this is really messy. Okay, I'm going to leave. Or maybe it's greener pastures. Oh, it looks better over there. Oh, yeah, now it looks better over there. And yeah, oh, now it looks better over there. And we just keep going from green to green to green because nothing ever in the end is perfect. Except for Jubilee. <laughs> this is a, it's a day-to-day walk we're, we're walking through. It's, it's so ordinary. It almost seems so ordinary. And yet it's eternal. This idea of walking with people. It's not glamorous the day in, day out of people. But it's life. It's how we walk together. And thirdly, we need to learn to need. To need. Simon Garfunkel write the song, uh, I am a rock, I've built walls, but I'm not going to sing it because it'll be off key. A fortress steep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock, right? Some of you don't know the song, okay. It was pretty well known back in the day. I am an island. I'm a rock. I'm an island. Do you know what? The world can sing this song, but Christians can't. And I don't mean literally because I sing it. It's a great melody. (laughs) I mean, he can't be our life philosophy. I'm a rock. I'm going to do it myself. I'm not going to rely on anyone. Yeah, I'll help you when you need help, but I don't need help because I'm a rock. That's not how it works. We have to learn to need each other to walk through the pain and the struggle and the challenge and the loss and the heartache together with open hearts. Walk with people, journey with Jesus and with others. We also become make better people. At Gabe's uh, parent-teacher interview, I tell good stories about my kids and bad ones too. So um, at Gabe's parent-teacher interview, his teacher said, um, she went through his, his grades, and then she said, Gabe makes the class a better place. And Lawrence, who was there, said, oh, that's nice, thanks. And she said, no, really. Look, I, I'm not just saying that. Like, he makes friends with people, and then those people are calmer, and we have fewer problems. And when he's there with people, they seem to just be calmer around him. He makes the class better. That is the reputation we want for Jubilee. They make it better where they are. A church that makes things better. A church that gives. A church that serves. A church you'd want to have around. Oh, we got this big thing going on. Let's have Jubilee because they make it better. Don't we? We want that reputation. But Jubilee is not an administrative office or a building. And it's not a staff or a council. We are Jubilee. You and I. And we gather and we scatter. And that's where Jubilee is. When people think about Christians, they don't always think about better. If you go out and you ask people, hey, what's the first thing you think of when you think of a Christian? Most people are saying better. I'm thinking better. Because historically, we've been known for what we're against way more than we're known for what we're for. That's the reality. The non-drinkers, the non-dancers, the non-laughhers, the goody-goodies, the judgers, 
the no fun people. If we're making the world better, it's by accident. <laughs> That's what people think. I remember I went to a wedding, and at this wedding, there was alcohol being served, and I ended up at this table with a bunch of church people, <laughs> which was awesome, except for I knew some of them were teetotalers, which means they will not touch alcohol, not even with their mouth at all. And so I was sitting at this table, and I thought, uh, I had a feeling some this pressure. And I said, well, I'm going to have a glass of wine with my meal. And so Lauren and I got a glass of wine. We sat down. And <laughs> these people are like looking at the dancing and they're looking at the silliness. And there's like a lot of scowling happening. And I'm shrinking lower in my chair. And then suddenly this girl comes who wasn't assigned a table. She just showed up late. And so they said, well, you can, there's an empty seat. So she sat down and she had a glass of wine too. And so I felt a little better. And she sat down with, and then she started talking to me. And she started sharing about the church and her pain and her struggle, the places where the church had really wounded her. And then she said, what's your job? And I said, I'm a pastor, pastor. <laughs> and we talked and we talked it through and we sh- and Cher had this great time together. And I looked up and I saw some of these people were, they were standing like with their arms crossed and they're scowling at the dancing and the silliness of the wedding party. And I, They were offended. I was offended by them. Jubilee people are make better people. Living a mission of loving those around us. Not just the people who are like us, but everyone. And that brings up questions for me. How do I love my irrational, irascible neighbor? The one who's like impossible to get along with. How do I love him? How do I convey acceptance and welcome to people who have a different lifestyle than me? How do I become an agent of healing and hope in my circles of influence? Matthew 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And he's not talking to himself. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. Here in Jubilee, we believe we're part of a world and a city renewal. We're making it better. It says in verse 4 of the passage I read at the very beginning, Isaiah, that whole thing about he's anointed me to preach good news. The very next verse, verse 4, says, They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And we serve our city. We make it better. We improve it. We repair and build it up. So, I don't want to hear anyone bemoaning the annoying qualities of Maple Ridge. And we all know Maple Ridge can be annoying. But we're going to make it better. We're going to improve it. We're soccer coaches and classroom volunteers and preschool board members and breakfast program cooks and block party organizers and community contributors. We are Jubilee. I was talking to Colleen last week. I love talking about Colleen. And Neil, and they were saying they want to be part of Jubilee. They're like, we're in. I said, awesome. And then she was telling me about how she'd started kind of by accident bringing food on Wednesdays to the homeless camp and, and 
Suddenly it grew into this thing and some people were helping her and more people. Gail Finson was there helping out, who's from Jubilee. And, and more, you know, it's grown into this thing. And so she's like, yeah, I don't even know how this happened, but it's like a thing now. Jubilee is feeding people at the homeless camp on Wednesdays because we are Jubilee. And if we're there, then we're there. We're part of it all over the place, touching and improving and making a difference where we are. Remember where you serve, Jubilee serves. And if you're like me, all this kind of light on a stand, change the world stuff kind of feels overwhelming. I go, okay, well, I'm not sure I can do that. Colleen can do it. She's awesome. I, I don't know if I have what it takes. Isaiah promises, though, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I think this sounds like a lot of pressure. We're going to change the world. I'm going to change the world. And like, where's my backup? If I think this is all about me, but it's not. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians to the church. He says, we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image, the image of God, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. He says, this comes from the Lord. Oh, oh, I'm being transformed and it comes from the Lord. Oh, I'm being planted like an oak tree of righteousness. Oh, it's a planting of the Lord. Oh, oh, whoo, that's a relief. Jesus transformed the world with his life and his sacrifice, and he's transforming us too. We're becoming the kind of people you'd want to have around. Maybe not everyone every day, but you don't have me around every day. But we're becoming that. We're being changed because of God's faithfulness. We're becoming people who give their time and talent and treasure to make the world better around them. Make better people are on a mission to shine the love and the light of God to the world. In conclusion, Jubilee people, follow the example of Jesus in living Jubilee. We're becoming good news, walk with, make better people. And today we're celebrating God's faithfulness. Today that's what we're doing. We're saying we can't do it alone. I can't be that alone, but I'm going to be it together and I'm going to be encouraged. When I have a rough week, I come back and I check in and I'm encouraged again to stay on mission, to stay on in this direction we're all going together. Jesus gave himself to set us free and to make us into a free people, the people of Jubilee. He promised to transform us on the journey and he promised to help us to learn to love each other, which is a miracle, probably the biggest miracle that we could learn to love. And we become transformative people where we are in all the places he sends us and puts us. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that um, all of this, although it sounds almost impossible, it, it is kind of impossible that we could be like this on our own, left to myself. I can't do it. And so, again, we come and we ask you for your help. We ask you for your spirit to change us. And even as you invite us to come into the kingdom, and yet you say you'll forgive us, and you wash us, and you gave your life to set us free, that uh, the free life still involves us coming before you and recognizing that, my, that I have inability and I need you. I need your power and your life in me, changing me and making me into a, a person that's more like you.
And so, Jesus, we ask that you would do that this morning, that you would help us to become good news people, that you would help us to become people who walk with the others, who love one another, and people who are working to make an impact in their community, in their city, in their world, that we are part of the change. Help us, Jesus. We ask you and thank you. Amen.